Blog Talk Radio. cowbell today don't you think <laughs> hello everybody i am your co-host lena stag and i'm happy to welcome you to yet another informative episode of she said she said the only radio show of rock and roll comparisons and in our last four shows for example we've been comparing a hard day's night to the great movie help by speaking with Beatles experts such as Al Sussman and Bill King and Bruce Spizer. So if you missed any of those great shows, be sure to catch up in the archives. They're all there waiting for you. Today, however, we're departing from our normal agenda to host the fifth episode in our hashtag iCandy series. And these shows feature great people in the Beatles world who are interesting, intriguing, and innovative. Hence, I candy. And what a guest we have for you today. But first, let me introduce my partner in crime who is a little under the weather today. We're going to have to call Dr. Robert <laughs> to see if he can administer a cure. This That was the... Uh, the uh, suggestion of our our uh, very hip guest today. But Jude is the author of the John Lennon series, which is a proposed nine-volume narrative history which chronicles the life of Mr. John Lennon and naturally tells the true story of his mates, the Beatles, as well. Jude has already released the first four books in that series, She Never Sleeps or rest, which these the books start at John's birth and take you all the way to the end of 1964. And right now she's working hard on Volume 5, which unfolds detail by researched detail through 1965. You can read selections from all of Jude's books and order them and sign up for her free newsletter at johnlennonseries.com. Thank you, Lena. Thank you so much. And hi, everybody. I am the very croaky. I used to think that when my voice sounded like this, it was kind of sexy, but now it just kind of sounds like a frog. (laughs) But I have some kind of bug, but I did not want to miss out on our great guest today, and I didn't want to miss out on being here with Lena. So the show must go on. You know, I think of all the times when John Lennon was really sick, on the 1964 North American tour, he missed a couple of press conferences, but he never failed to be on that stage when the curtain went up. So the show definitely must go on. So pardon my very scratchy voice, but Lena's been so sweet to give everybody the scoop on me, but uh, what about Miss Stagg, right? So I mm-hmm. want to tell you, as it were, she is the author of four 
fabulous books that are called the Recipe Records Cookbook Series. It is a super cool collection. If you guys don't want to cook, don't like to cook, you're still going to want to buy these books and read them cover to cover because not only do they give you super groovy recipes with great names like I Am the Eggs Man or Rock and Roll Hoochie Couscous, but they are easy to make. It's something that you can do. You don't have to buy weird, trendy ingredients for and they are delicious. Wednesday night at my house is recipe records night, and my husband gives it 17 and a half thumbs up. It is so, so good. <laughs> She's also got rock and roll stories, facts, and trivia, and you're going to love this part. And I have to say this kind of quietly because A-L-E-X-A is always listening. But all you have to do is ask A-L-E-X-A to play the songs that Lena has listed for you on her song list that goes with the recipes. And as you're cooking or watching someone else cook, you can listen to every one of those very groovy hand-selected songs that go with the recipes. It will make for a great night of food and fun. So check out Recipe Records, Culinary Tribute to the Beatles, Recipe Records Stone's Cookbook, which is called The Rolling Scones, Let's Spin the Bite Together, and the 60s cookbook and the original book, Recipe Records, at Lena, that's L-A-N-E-A, Stag, double G, S-T-A-G-G, LenaStag.com. And while you're there, don't forget to sign up for her newsletter because she and we are always giving rock stories, articles, and recipes, so don't miss out. Oh, thank you, Jude. You are so, so kind. I really appreciate that. She's not wrong. Let me tell you, she is not wrong. You will love reading these books, as you will love reading about John Lennon. So Jude and I both offer some pretty cool features, including coupons, in our newsletters. And we keep you posted on upcoming radio shows in the She Said, She Said series as well. So remember, it's johnlennonseries.com for Jude and lanastag.com for me. You will be in business. And speaking of business, let's get down to it because our guest today does it all. First, He's a DJ on his very own internet radio station, Fab Gear Radio, a groovy site that not only plays the hits of the 50s and 60s, but also gives you the stories behind each song. For true music lovers, it's your ticket to ride. You can hear it by going to fabgearradio.playtheradio.com. Now, our guest has just retired after 31 years as an administrator at John A. Logan College in Illinois, but that doesn't mean he's resting, not by a long shot. <laughs> he still teaches Fab Gear classes online through the Teachables website, and I think they're courses all of you would enjoy. In fact, I know you all would enjoy it. He has one on that rock and roll highway, Route 66, and coming up soon he'll be teaching the history of rock and roll and my personal favorite, the Beatles. 
Yeah, and if that isn't enough, that would keep me plenty busy. But he is also, and this is a big deal, he is writing a book. (laughs) Yeah, that too. I mean, you know, one of the events that I share with readers in the very beginning of Volume 4 in the John Lennon series is this incredible story of Nikki Byrne, who made an agreement with Brian Epstein, who absolutely did not have time to handle the Beatles' merchandise. His plate was so full that when it came to dealing with all of the products that the Beatles wanted to market, Brian could not do it. And so he contracted with Nikki Byrne to do the Beatles' merchandising in America. And let me tell you what, it was a gold mine. Beatles' wigs, sweatshirts, stockings, bedspreads, buttons, curtains, necklaces, rings, dolls. I mean, the list just goes on and on. And that is the subject of our guest book today. And no one knows more about these very cool items and how they came to be than Lena's friend and mine, author Terry Crane. Hey, Terry. Welcome to She Said, She Said. Hi, ladies, and thanks so much for having me on your show today. I'm looking forward to it, and we're about ready to rock and roll. (laughs) That is so awesome. Well, Terry, I know a little bit about what you've been doing on your book since you've been so kind to select me as the editor for your upcoming work. And I have to tell our listeners that is a very, very, very interesting book. It's not just a collector's price list or the same old, same old, tell me what it's worth kind of catalog. It is so much more. So inquiring minds want to know, what's the name of your book, Terry? How did you get the idea to write this book? And what is it going to entail? Well, the name of the book is NIMS and the Business of Selling Beatles Merchandise in the U.S. between 1964 and 1966. Now, NIMS, that, was, uh, that stands for the North Indian Store. That was the parent company uh, ran by Brian Epstein for acts like the Beatles and other bands that he had in his, quote, stable. And so NIMS was into the licensing of Beatles items in, throughout England in 1963 and in the U.S. and starting in the early 1964. Now, I, like a lot of people, have always loved the cool Beatles merchandise from the mid-60s. And you're right, the dolls, the wigs, the games, the jewelry, the shirts, the photos, the portraits, the bubble bath, all of these wonderful <laughs> items. And, and I was eight years old when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. And a few months after they were there, my older sister Janet got the George doll for Christmas uh, from my brother Randy. So all through 1965, I would walk past her room, which was right down the hall from mine, and I'd peek in and I'd see this George doll. And this George doll always seemed to be staring at me, no matter where I went, the eyes stared at me. So I think, here I am years and years later, but I think that's still burned in my memory, uh, because of that kept pushing me into this project, because I couldn't get George out of my head. So well, it's I surprising that you didn't that. write a... It's, it's surprising you didn't write a, a Beatles-themed Halloween movie screen pro, screenplay. Exactly. And of all things, when I go to visit my sister, she still has the doll that still stares at me. So, so at that time, 
there was about 150 licensed U.S. Beetle items uh, between in 64 and, uh, through 66 that were on the shelf, like at Woolworths and other stores across the U.S. And these items are what I call uh, the items before the yellow submarine items hit in the U.S. later on. So, so these items range from aprons to wigs, and even though some were a little bit more popular the other, than other ones, each one had their own like unique story. And I, I think for me, it was this story that what was interesting to me. You know, there's there's these wonderful price guides out there that I love, and they tell you uh, a little bit about the item, and then they tell you about what it's worth and all that. Well. My book, I don't tell you anything about what anything is worth. Uh, what I was more interested in was the item, the manufacturer, why they made it, uh, where was the business located, and some of the backstories around the items and, and the company uh, that, that did manufacture these. And, you know, the, the trail to find some of this information, because it was 50-plus years ago, the trail to find this is amazing because a few of these countries, companies are still in existence but many are long gone, or they've been bought out by one company after another. So the files and the notes and the people who actually ran them are all long gone. So piercing this together, piercing these archives together has been a, a monumental task, but one has been fun. Because I, I just think that uh, in some of these companies, you know, they had, they had old black file cabinets that were sitting in the corner of some forgotten mm -hmm. office building. And the paperwork and the records and everything was in there. So I'm trying to bring some of that out before uh, some of these items and some of these memories and some of these actual information are, are all long gone for good. That's just fascinating. What a terrific, terrific concept. Well, why don't we take a look at some of these items that you are going to have in the new book. And for our listeners, each and every one of these items is shown on the Blog Talk Radio um, screen advertisement, the, the flashing screen that is um, up on for our page. So you can get a good look at these items. These are great photographs, by the way. But if you're listening via our Facebook link, uh, you can see these Beatles collectibles also posted on our Facebook She Said, She Said page. If you're not able to see either one of them right now, just sit back and imagine, as John would say, because I know Terry is going to describe these all in pretty good detail. So, Terry, give us a good look at item number one and tell us what it is. I believe this is the George Harrison doll. That is it, and that is my sister's George doll. I shot the first, <laughs> the first, first wow. photograph I took. I thought I gotta, I gotta take this and get this out of the way, so that so that I can go on uh, from there. And I, I'm trying to shoot uh, many of the images myself uh, for the book, um, so that that's been a fun process. Although, also now this doll that, that you're looking at, the the the, the George doll, uh, this doll was made by Rimco Industries, and they were out of Newark, New Jersey. Now, they made these out of, uh, well, they call it rubber vinyl, and they had a lifelike fiber hair, which is always weird when you try to put your fingers through it, and they basically mm -hmm. came in what, what you would call like a hard body 
or a soft body, these, uh, these dolls. Now, each of these figures, they wore a black collar and a suit, and they had a tie, and they had uh, the appropriate musical instruments strapped around their neck with corresponding autographs. They always had facsimile autographs in all these things. So they had corresponding autographs uh, in gold ink, and some of them, some of the rare dolls even have silver ink on there. Uh, the facial features are pretty good. Uh, for instance, they made Ringo's nose bigger, so you knew, you knew just what these were. And if you're out in the memorabilia world, uh, these dolls are also known as the cell tape figures, or however you pronounce that, uh, cell tape was the U.S. company that uh, gave the license for these uh, items to be made. And cell tape, if you look at it carefully, yes, you workplace fans, that's Beatles spelled backwards. They were so clever how they did that. <laughs> so in these Remco dolls, they were advertised all over the place in war and war sad and newspaper and everything. And they talked about these dolls to uh, that you should get in all the excitement and the fun that comes with owning these fabulous dolls. And usually these dolls were about a dollar uh, or a little bit more. Now, Remco itself originated in a New York City basement, and the company's slogan was, every boy wants a Remco toy, and so do girls. So they had to throw that mm-hmm. in, I guess, to, uh, to appease everybody. And Remco's founder, which was a guy named Isaac Keller, he himself traveled to England, so he could talk to them, Nims uh, and everybody, right, right there in London, so he could have the licensing rights uh, to the Beatles doll. Uh, you could buy these from the store, or you could order these directly from Sears. Sears did a, a mail-in thing; you could get them that way. And uh, on the on the the back of these, the back of the boxes for these dolls were great. It says the one, the only, the genuine Beatle boys. Start a screen team with your own George, John, Ringo, and Paul, and it kept going. It kept going, and finally it said, uh, "Only Remco brings you the true, official, genuine Beatles that make you glad, glad, glad that you're mad, mad, mad for the Beatles. Beatlemania, who wants to be cured?" And and just that, <laughs> that note, that note in there where they said the true, official, genuine Beatles dolls. Well, that was because, of course, in that time, people started making other Beatles dolls and said they were licensed, and Rimco said, no, you're not. And that starts a whole other legal proceedings, which I go hmm. over a little bit in the book. That's just another thing that gets interesting. Wow. Wow. That is so, so interesting. So then our item number two is the same um, family of dolls. The Remco, I guess, but this is the Ringo doll. Ringo doll. <laughs> this is from 1965, and this was called the Soaky doll. And uh, when you bought it, it contained bubble bath that you could soak in after a hard day's night of Beatlemania. Oh my gosh! You took off the head, and, yes, you took off the head and poured liquid into your water, and just had a wonderful bath experience. Now, they were made by the Colgate Palmolive Company that we all know is still around uh, out of New York. But they only made Ringo and Paul. They only made the Ringo and Paul dolls. Now, the story is that around the time that Colgate was researching what they should do with these dolls and all that, uh, their research indicated that Ringo and Paul were the two most popular Beatles with the U.S. public 
So they made a, a business decision. We're just going to make these two and not make all four. So that's how that happened. Uh, they're 10 inches tall, and they had 11 ounces of liquid foam, they said, inside of it. And if you look at them, uh, Ringo was blue and Paul was red. And, yes, on the instructions for uh, the doll, it actually told you pour two caps for each bath directly under running water and mix well. So Silky had really other the, – the Silky dolls had other – people, uh, other items, not just the Beatles. There was Bullwinkle and all kind of other silky dolls, and they even had a jingle out at that time that I'm not going to go through. You can see how that is. And, uh, uh, but they were, they were a pretty big company uh, within, within that business. And in fact, at the end of the jingle, it basically tells you to get a toy. You get a toy when it's empty, and when it's empty, it's a toy. So it's a two-for-one deal there. You get a little bath and you get a toy. To play with now. To, and one more thing about the about the rim the rim I think when they were making the decision to make either Paul make just Paul at Ringo, I think they the Colgate uh, they 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 talked to Remco I believe to see what happened with the Remco dolls, and I believe the Remco dolls told them that Paul and Ringo outsold the John and George dolls by five to one. So I think that's why wow. they made a business decision to just make uh, the the two right now. And if you're ever out well, on YouTube, if you're ever out, yeah, I know, Jude. I know that that hurts right there. Um, I'm gonna ask you. And if you're ever if you're ever out on YouTube, go find the Soaky television commercial with the Beatles. It's one of the rare TV commercials that they ever made about Beatle items. And uh, it's it's pretty cool about about grandma and the young girl. And grandma has the Beatles Soaky Bubble Bath doll. It's pretty cool. Well, oh, that, that I, I have not seen have that time. video and it's priceless. I'm not gonna have time to look at it because I'm on my way to pick it, Palm Olive. What are they thinking? <laughs> Crazy people. Oh, I mean, that that <laughs> video is a, priceless. I, I, I've seen it too. It's really, really cute, really cute. Well, this is the kind of, of info that fans absolutely love and, of course, collectors want to know. And that brings us up to number three, which to me is the quintessential Fab Gear toy. Oh, my gosh, a Beatles skateboard? Seriously? Yeah. Tell us about that, Terry. <laughs> there was a skateboard. Now, this this is a rare item, and in fact, you know, I got a, I got a little while to go with my research. I'm still not a hundred percent sure that this item ever made it to a shelf, but but it was a licensed item and and they made it and uh, and if it made it to a shelf, it was kind of short lived. This was made by the Surf Skater Company Incorporated out of Norfolk, Virginia, and I'm sure they probably went out in the streets at, at lunchtime and tried the boards out. They were a wooden board and metal wheels. There was the famous Diesel Hoffman group picture right on top of the board, and uh, it hmm. said the Beatles skateboard come, uh, right on top, and it came in various colors. And the box itself had a graphic uh, drawing of the group with stripes uh, on the rest of the container. Now, what is, what is really cool is there was a press release done by this company and advertised in Playthings magazine in December of 64. And no, 
Playthings Magazine was not a men's magazine with a centerfold. Playthings Magazine was a toy and game item. It was a magazine that talked about what was coming up in the toy and game industry uh, in the upcoming months. And they have an official press release with pictures right there in the magazine that talks about the skateboard. Three models are now available uh, from this firm. Uh, Immediate delivery uh, from the Surf Skater Company. And the Beatles have given the company exclusive rights for the manufacture of this item. And uh, and w- they they advertise that the board uh, have a picture of the Beatles right on top, which can easily be peeled off and kept as a souvenir. Now think of it today: if you had the skateboard and you didn't peel off the thing, how much you know that might be worth? Per- that's that's a pretty good item right there. Mm, yeah. And on, mm-hmm. if you ever see that page. If you ever see that page in Playthings, uh, Playthings magazine, that that piece with the Beatles surfboard is sitting right next to a uh, a ad for motor racing by Lionel and an ad for the Munsters new model casting set. It's pretty cool. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm going to put it out there right now that if anybody <laughs> listening to this show has the Beatles skateboard and you would – write us either on our She Said, She Said Facebook page or Terry Crane's Facebook page or Lena Stagg's Facebook page or Jude Sutherland Kessler's John Lennon series Facebook page and let us know that you have that skateboard. I will give you a signed and dated free copy of Volume 4 in the John Lennon series should have known better. So we need your help. Send us a photograph. Tell us you've got it if you've got it because that would be wonderful to know that it's out there. And, Terry, I'm not much of a skateboarder. I was kind of a scaredy-cat kid, (laughs) but I definitely would have been interested in this next Mm -hmm. item. In fact, it's the one item I always wanted to have, and that's the Beatles' record player. Well, I think that you and all the other collectors wanted it also, because to me, this is the holy grail. This is the the record player designed by... uh, Symphonic Radio and Electronics Corporation uh, out of New Brunswick, New Jersey, and went on sale for the public in August of 64. Uh, This company, founded in 36, made radios and phonographs and all this stuff, and uh, they added, in 1964, they added television and tape recorders to the radio and uh, phonographic uh, products that used to employ at the plant they used to employ hundreds of high school and college kids on the production line so they could help get through the Christmas rush when they kept uh, making these things. Now, making these things is one thing that makes the record player uh, stand out so much because only about 5,000 of these record players were made, and very few really survive intact. And that's why they are so rare, and I said the holy grail. And what's interesting is... I can. I have interviewed a lot of collectors and everything about uh, items and everything. And I sometimes I ask the collector, the memorabilia experts. I say, what What is your favorite item? And probably nine out of ten times, they always tell me the Blue Beatles record player. Oh, I mean, that's sure that's wow. the big one to them. Yeah, it was it was a four speed record player, about seventeen inches by ten inches by six, and uh, it, they had a great ad. Uh, for it that said, you will think you are front row center when you listen to this. Now, one thing, though, that kind of messed everybody up around this 
is this thing had a huge price tag uh, for 1964, 65, whatever. It was $29.95. So for the teenager in the 60s, that was a lot of money to try to right. come up with and buy this. When the dolls and everything else was right there in a dollar or two or three dollar range. So that's mm. another reason why they're they're pretty they're pretty rare. Uh, it had four speeds. It could play 16, 16 RPMs, the thirty three and a third, the the forty five yeah. RPMs. And in case mom and dad wanted to play the old seventy eight records, you could do that on there also. Wow! Uh, wow! And one thing, wow. the box the box itself uh, is very rare because they built this box so tight that went around the record player is you almost had to rip the box apart to get in the record oh. player. So there's very few boxes mm. around also. So, but that, wow, that's that, interesting. That's, that's yeah, that's a cool item. That's interesting. Well, I tell you what, for anyone listening live, the show sh- cuts off in two minutes. So I wanted to go ahead and tell everybody, if you're listening live, just uh, wait about 10 minutes and then click on the same link. You can hear the rest of the show. We're probably going to talk to Terry for a, a few minutes longer, so we have another item we wanted to chat about. But Terry, I'd like for you to real quickly give everybody your social media addresses. Let everybody know where to find you on Facebook and Instagram and um, anything else that you might be working on until all hours of night. <laughs> I have a Facebook site. The main thing is the Facebook site. It's called NIMS Enterprises. Uh, and I also have an Instagram site, a Pinterest site, and I'm going to be starting a Twitter site uh, pretty soon. So you can find find the I- information about the book all over the place out there. And they're all under NIMS Enterprises? Yeah. If you, if you search NIMS Enterprises under all of those, I will come popping up. I think we may have lost you, Terry. I'm, I'm still here. Are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought yes. you phased it out for a minute. So capital N, capital E, capital M, capital S Enterprises. Correct. Okay, good deal. Well, now the one that I actually own, which I've been waiting to hear about, because I think I have two of these sets. Give us a scoop on the bobblehead dolls. Well, in 1964... There was a company named Car Mascot Incorporated, and they mass-produced sets of these uh, four-inch tall nodding head beetle figurines. Now, they were all eight inches except for Ringo. He was a little smaller because he was sitting on his drum set. And if you go out into the memorabilia world, you will hear these sometimes called nodders because they nodded up and down is what they did. They were a combination of plaster and paper mache and they had a, a fake, fake facsimile signature on the bottom and all that. And uh, uh, they were actually made in in Japan for, though, the car mascot uh, company like that. And they included an instruction mm-hmm. seat, sheet in there that's supposed to tell you how to hit its head and do different things. Now, uh, you know, the, the, the instructions helped you tremendously because it said, put it in your car, in your home, in your club room. I'm not sure what your club room was, but you could put this thing in there. And uh, they were carefully, quote, mounted on tempered steel strings to allow movement activated by airflow, vibrations, or hand winding. So you could wind it up and say, make it say yes or second, make it say no, however you wanted to. Now, one of the things about this is that 
these things were eight inches high, but <clears throat> the company made some 15-inch tall figures to put in a store for a promotional thing that says, come in, we, we're, we've got these eight-inch items, but you could look at these 15-inch items in there that was kind of drawing you in. And those, uh, again, are rare because they weren't designed to be sold. Uh, they didn't really even have a box uh, that they came in. Uh, some people say they even looked more like the Beatles than the 8-inch the was, was. And these are really sought after by the collectors because of they were just basically a behind-the-counter item. And when, and when you walked up to the counter and saw these 15 inches there and then – Jude would have saw the eight-inch one sitting there ready for her to buy. There was always an ad. It said, it's a mad fad, Dad. Come buy some of the knotters from us. And what, what I always think is, is, the, is the crossover promotional pieces because you, when you attended the Beatles uh, performance in Portland, Oregon, on August 22nd, 1965, well, when you ordered your tickets, you could also – send in some uh, uh, things from Royal Crown Cola, and for $2.98, you too could own some bobbin head dolls too. So, so the Beatles tickets and the bobbin head dolls all came to you uh, in one neat little package. So it's, it's wow. kind of neat how they always have the crossover stuff like that. Now, every one of these items that we talked about will be in the new book, along with many, many, many others. I call it, it's from April... A to W, apron to wig is what's in the book. And uh, the name of the book is The Nims in the Business of Selling Beatles Merchandise in the U.S. Between 1964 and 1966. I love it. Well, of course, uh, the question on all of our minds, Terry, is when will the new book be out and how can we keep up with the progress on it? Well, the plan now is for it to go to the printer in less than three months. And then that means that possibly in February or March of next year, I will have a book in my hand, uh, and, which will just be a, an amazing day. So, so it's all ramping up big time right now is what's going on. Wow. That's, That's fantastic. Fast. Well, Terry, as you know, I've been able to read the book ahead of the public, and I can't say that without smiling. I have such a big smile on my face. Um, I can tell you that all of our listeners that you're going to love this story. It's there's tons of great information and cute stories and great um quotes from people that are remembering the items back from their childhood and it's it's just charming. It's it's absolutely wonderful. There's even one story in there supplied by Jude Kessler, sort of a goosebumpy tale about her Beatles charm bracelet. So let me be the first to congratulate you and encourage people to follow you and stay tuned for the upcoming book. Well, thanks so much. And this is a collaboration, you know, even though I'm, quote, writing it, it's a collaboration with a ton of research and many people supplying me with their thoughts and things. You know, I have been very honored to be able to talk to some of the, what I call the memorabilia gurus, like Jeff Augsburger and Perry Cox, and Facebook sites like the Beatles Collectors, who keep answering my questions, and I was allowed to go into Todd Jackson and Bob Bob Abdu, uh, who allowed me into their homes so I could shoot some photos of their collections and all that. I have Andrew Croft, who's doing the book layout, 
And, you know, I get references like from Bruce Spicer and other major players within the collecting world. And I think my reference page and my credit page just went over 500 sites, citations that mm. I put out there. And, I, and, I, and it's growing every day. So both of you as authors can understand that. That is fantastic. Well, we loved having you on the show today, and we will definitely do this again probably towards the end of January, 1st of February, as we get closer to the release of the book. And I'm assuming you're going to be at the Fest for Beatles fans in New Jersey with the book in March because that will be the perfect place to roll it out. But, guys, while you're waiting for Terry's new book to come out, listen to him. You will absolutely love the things that he tells you about each and every song that's played on Fab Gear Radio. And, again, if you want to listen to it, just type in fabgearradio.playtheradio.com and so that you don't forget that we're going to put it on our She Said She Said Facebook page just after the show and of course don't forget each day ask you know who Alexa to give you this week in Beatles history as well as daily Beatle facts because those two are written by our own Terry Crane so check them out, and you are going to have a fab old time. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're so happy that you could be here. Take care. Thank you. Now, Jude and I will not be here in November. Instead, we are off to the White Album Conference at Monmouth University in New Jersey, November 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th. We will both be speaking. Jude is going to be giving a presentation on Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. on John Lennon's life in 1968 and how it colored his songs on the White Album. She calls it Lennon's White, A Darker Shade of Pale, and at 1.30 p.m. on Friday, I'll be giving a presentation, which is a comparison and a contrast to the Beatles versus the pop star Drake, or also known as Drizzy. He is topping the Hot 100 charts. There's even a new article about it today. So I'm going to be discussing this phenomenon and taking a look and comparing uh, the two artists. So how are they alike and how are they different? So please come and check it out. You're going to have a good time. This is going to be a great conference. Jude will also be on a panel with Al Sussman and Bruce Spicer discussing the ins and outs of that very dramatic year that the White Album was released, 1968. Both of us will be moderating other presentations as well. So if you're going to the conference at Monmouth University, come check it out. That's November 8th through the 11th, the White Album Conference. And you can find that information at monmouthuniversity.com. And then you'll be able to join us again in December, very, very early in the month. You won't even miss us because you're going to have Thanksgiving and the beginning of holiday shopping. But we will be with you at 4 p.m. Central on Monday, 3 December. And we are going to have one of the guest speakers 
revered guest speakers from the White Album Conference with us, Scott Fryman. He's also going to be doing his Beatles breakdown. He does a wonderful dissection of Beatles songs and lets you listen to every component part. And he'll be with us on the 3rd of December to do that for the White Album since we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of that great LP this year. You're going to hear Scott present the White Album, as you've never heard it before. It's going to be a fantabulous show on the 3rd of December right here on She Said, She Said. So that'll be a holiday treat from us to you. And until then, here's to food for thought, food for the soul, food for the love of rock and roll. ta and shine on. It's been a hard day. Come on. 